everyone, and thank you for joining the podcast today. On the phone with me, I have APQC's Human Capital Management Research Program Manager, Alyssa Tucker, and Human Capital Institute's Jeannie Kerr. Thank you both for joining. On November 11th, APQC hosted a webinar titled, What's Holding Back True HR Partnerships? It was well-registered and well-attended. Jeannie was our speaker for the webinar, and it went so well that we didn't have enough time to answer all the questions that attendees asked. So today, we're going to go ahead and answer those questions. Now I'll pass it off to Alyssa, who will moderate the podcast today. Wonderful. Well, welcome, Jeannie. Our first question is, what is your take on having an effectiveness function in a center of excellence? Well, I think centers of excellence, um, there's a few keys to making them effective. Um, one is starting out with highly trained and knowledgeable employees. I've seen organizations actually go the route of staffing such centers, which are essentially call centers, with people who are you know, great customer service reps but didn't have a lot of HR knowledge or expertise. And this, quite honestly, was a disaster. Um, they couldn't really um, handle the types of questions effectively. And you know there was obviously a gap in knowledge. I think another key is very clear performance standards and KPIs. Um, whether you, and how you establish those, obviously, is going to depend on the type of COE it is. But you know, service level agreements. Um, when there are, when there is no measurement of, of performance, it's no, it is no different than any other call center. And um, I worked at one organization when we first rolled this out. We actually, not somewhat, not particularly kindly, called them centers of mediocrity. Um, talent acquisition, I have found, works extremely well in a center of excellence, and it's a great place to start. It's an area that you can step with professional expertise that HR generalists don't necessarily have. And finally, if you're looking at centers of excellence for benefits and payroll, um, the biggest challenges to success I've seen with those is um, a general lack of a service attitude, uh, timeliness of response, willingness to go the extra mile. I've also seen centers of excellence attempted for employee relations, and those, quite honestly, don't seem to work as well. Um, they're great for low-level you know, low you know, policy questions, things like that, but with, you know, you can't really run a, po a strong employee relations function when you call in and talk to a different person every time. So those would be some of my tips around having, you know, an effectiveness um, an effective COE. Wonderful, thank you. Our next question is, should HR business partners report to HR or to the functional unit? Okay, that's been debated for a long time, and uh, I think there are pros and cons to both. My personal preference, and this is just my opinion, and if you ask five HR people, you might get 10 opinions, um, is HR to report up to an HR organization with a dotted line to the operations folks. I think this allows the HR person more um, flexibility and influence. Uh, it's really hard to influence your boss 
if he or she is doing something you um, don't think is wise. It helps avoid conflicts of interest, and it enables you know development, better development of the HR team as a whole. You know because they are working as a team, and it also then will provide some consistency, especially in organizations with multiple locations. Nonetheless, all that being said, I would take HR reporting up to the operations unit any day. Wonderful. Our next question is, how useful are the various courses offered by numerous vendors, uh, courses such as learning on how to strategize uh, or a course on becoming a strategic master? Sure. Um, I think those courses have to be well vetted, just as any training has to be well vetted. You know, look for the top names, whether it's um, the AMA, the American Management Association, or the Human Capital Institute. Um, I do think you get what you pay for with some of those. You know, another option if you need to train or develop a number of people, bring in a consultant who connect with your culture, partner with the team, and um, develop um, the, the organization from a consistent perspective. So that's certainly an alternative. Uh, I do think you have to be careful about some of those courses. And, and just you know, check them out, check out reviews, ask if you could speak to previous participants, things like that. Because they're not inexpensive and you want to get valuable for your time and your money. Thank you. Our next question is, being a strategic business partner and the time and resources that it takes to be a strategic business partner, in your experience, is it related to the operating model of HR? Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, the, the traditional generalist who did everything is just not going to be able to um, adequately remove some of those more transactional functions and free up enough time, I think, to, to work with more closely with the business directly. Whether it's um, a center of excellence model or an HR operations center, I think some of those structures are, are critical to um, enable the time that an HRPCP needs to, to be effective. Thank you. And our last question is, can you speak more to the role clarity for an HR business partner and um, line managers? So what should line managers be doing and what should HR uh, business partners be doing? Well, if I were to put it in a very simple way, a simple rule of thumb, I think line, the line manager's job is to take care of their individual direct reports. Um, whether these be status changes, disciplinary actions, feedback, career discussions, um, coaching. The HRBP can provide the framework and education for them to do that better. The HRBP is looking at the organization as a whole and what are the key strategic needs of the workforce. And the line manager should be implementing those and taking care of those on the one-on-one -on -one basis with their employees. I think that's the simplest way to get our arms around it. Um, supervisors, you know, line managers, you know, if HR, the HRBP's role perhaps helps them as a group develop 
figure out how to do some of these things more effectively. But line managers need to understand that they are the talent leaders of their direct reports, not HR. Well, thank you so much, Jeannie, for giving your guidance to our listeners. I'd now like to turn the podcast over to Maddie Lundquist, who will close things out for us today. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Alyssa and Jeannie, for joining today. It was a great podcast, and I think our listeners will enjoy it. If anyone has any questions that weren't answered on either the webinar or the podcast today, feel free to reach out to me by email at mlundquist, that's M-L-U-N-D-Q-U-I-S-T, at apqc.org. Additionally, you can listen to the recording of the webinar by visiting www.apqc.org. The recording along with the slides live in APQC's knowledge base. Also, look for more information on upcoming webinars and content in your inbox. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and have a great day.